0: When you're removing that shame, you're saying like, now you don't have the excuse not to change. Like you don't have the excuse not to work on yourself because the biggest excuse not to work on yourself is the fact that I'm going to fail.
1: I'm Tanya, and you are listening to Season 2 of Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. This week's podcast is sponsored in honor of the Rebbe. The dedication reads, In honor of the Rebbe, Nasi Dairenu, whose constant hashba and divine source of strength and inspiration continues to fuel the Nashem Tzedkaniyes, young and old, as they lead the generation that is bringing Mashiach now. Sponsored by Rachel Baschana. Thank you so much to our sponsor for making today's episode happen. If you would like to sponsor an episode in honor of a birthday, a yard site, or just to support the work of the podcast, please visit humanandholy.com/slash sponsor or email us at humanandholy at gmail.com. In today's episode, I speak with Zisi Zirkind about the balance between Owning our flaws while also recognizing that they were given to us by God. In the chapter of Tanya that our conversation is based on, the Altarebbe outlines how to at once be honest about our struggles and the room we have to grow without using that self awareness to shame or silence ourselves. Join us today as Zizi sheds light on a self perception that can push us to grow in a way that feels honest and also loving.
0: Hi, I'm Zisi Zorkin. Officially right now, I am a stay-at-home mom of three kids. I've taught for many years in high school. Um, I still do a little teaching here and there to adults, which I enjoy. I enjoy learning placidus. I enjoy learning placidus in a way that it is practical and like very real. I don't get to do enough of that, but... (laughs) I appreciate what you're doing. That definitely, I think, shares that with a lot of people. I also... What else about me? I think that's enough about me. (laughs) That's enough. That's (laughs) that's enough.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you here, and I'm excited to learn from you and with you about what you're going to share. Can you introduce to us what you're going to be speaking about today? Just the idea itself.
0: Okay. So the general context, like, you know, chapters, 20 six through 31 of Tanya talk about like dealing with different emotions that come up in our spiritual journey and process. And in chapter 31, specifically, I'll was talking about it's, it's actually a little bit of a deeper chapter and it gets a little bit more Kabbalistic. So I think people focus a little bit more on let's say, and this one gets a little bit left out. But he talks about the difference between depression and schiflos which is or like atpos which is like a sense of sadness and loneliness and how depression is not channelable if that's a word into something that is positive it just sort of like is stagnant and doesn't allow you to move versus there is a sort of sadness or understanding of where you're holding which is not necessarily positive but can be like driving you to actually change like there is a way to utilize a certain sense of loneliness in our Vedas Hashem, even though we usually focus on joy, but how we can also sometimes like use that understanding of where we are to propel us into our Vedas Hashem in a positive way. Mm. And toward the end of the chapter, he talks about how basically even though it's true that like, I, I think a lot of times specifically in our Vedas Hashem, but in a lot of areas of life, in something where we feel like we're constantly failing, which you know, being a Jew is like a ton of obligations, and it's almost impossible to be perfect at it, right? It's so it's a pro- it's almost impossible to be perfect at being a good Jew, and that can lead us to feeling just like depressed and sort of give up on the whole, on the whole situation. So toward the end of the chapter, the Alterba gives a perspective, which sort of empowers us to be able to not be perfect Jews and still stay committed to our Mm. mission instead of giving up on it. Nice. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is, so the idea that the Alterba says, and I'll I'll actually just go straight into reading it inside because I think he says it most powerfully and then I'll summarize a little more totally. okay so at the end when you're just talking about you know oh i'm such a bad person i mess up i'm not in touch with my godly side i'm so invested in the physical world and i do all these negative things blah 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 right so the altar actually gives us like an actual like self-talk words you can say to yourself switches into first person pain hey, ms it's true he says it's true that you are all these things that you just listed about yourself possibly right Lai need me but I did not create myself. I Mm. did not create myself as being sort of like a hidden. Hashem basically took a part of himself and he put it into a body and he hid it. And it's like this, it's covered up by layers and layers and layers of ego, body. Those are so much more accessible to us, right? Our body is the most accessible to us. Then our conscious self is so accessible to us. And then our divine soul is like hidden in there somewhere (laughs) and sometimes we get to experience it briefly and often we don't and we didn't create that dynamic Mm. god created that dynamic so i am not in control of the fact that it is really hard to be a good Jew nice i am not in control of that fact at all and therefore right so that that can be sort of a stopping point for some people right you hear i'm not in control of this okay fine so then so then i'm done right i can't control it so i'm done And Judaism, we can't stop at that point, right? Like, we still know that there's still stuff we have to do. So, where do we have control, right? And, like, how how do we deal with this information that I didn't create myself and I was created very imperfect? So, the Lama Asashem. So, why did God create us so messed up, right? Like, and and in such a (laughs) struggle? Struggling, exactly. He took a portion of himself. Right? of was which is so lofty and so awesome and so incredible and so much bigger than everything else. The Kuluk and everything else is considered like nothing in front of it. The Bishu the Mishka Dechavia, He like inserted this awesome, great, divine, holy thing into the serpent's skin, basically. That's what it says. Like, he like hid it inside this body, this thing that's so removed from God. And he wouldn't do that for no reason. God doesn't invest himself in something if it doesn't have a a purpose, right? So, but this descent is for the sake of an ascent. We're supposed to take the embody that is covering up the divine soul and to using the power of the divine soul that is put inside of it. The Shabbat um, Klippas because it's sourced in Klipasnaga, it, it is refinable. B'challavu Sheha, and all of its garments. Heim B'china's Machshavati Bar Maiseh which is its thought, speech, and action. And what do you do? You're able to elevate it how? By putting them into, by investing your thoughts, speech, and action into holy things. And it goes on to discuss this. And at the end, it says basically, we end up having the ability, I end up having the ability, I am able, I'm able to actually unite my physical mind and my speech with god's mind and speech we totally we become utterly united right. and my actions even like the most basic part of me the most physical part of me i'm able to refine in doing mitzvah so basically the whole point of this is to say that i'm able to accomplish something extremely awesome even though i was created extremely flawed mm. And I think just in that first line, at least this is what resonated with me, is this point of Ahmila Essie's to me: I did not create myself. And what that does is it creates like a degree of separation between me and like the negative parts of myself, mm. where I'm not responsible for who I am. And this is a line I heard from. Rifka, Margaret Stetner in my note she said and it was very profound and was really powerful to me actually you mentioned it for bringing. she said it's not my fault but it's my problem like it's not my fault I am this way but it is my problem I still have to deal with it because I still have a mission that God gave me so from this viewpoint like from this vantage point how does something look different right so let's say there's something I'm going to talk first like in our association I think it applies even further than that, yeah, but everywhere. in our, HaSashem, right? There's something particular I'm struggling with or many things I'm struggling with, but let's say there is something particular I'm struggling with. So we know we have free choice. So technically I'm able to make the choice. I think the free choice lies not so much in the action of when you actually have the choice, but in your reaction to the last time you met with the struggle. Mm. So if I think it's my fault, I struggled, right? So how do I react? I messed up. I was not successful. I don't know. Give me an example of something that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you share something? Okay, so, okay. I'll, sure. I'll give an example. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> a very hard thing. And I can give an excuse and say it since becoming a mother, but it's not true. I've always struggled with this. Even at times when I was like really immersed in spirituality, I always had a hard time with the So I struggled with just like feeling connected during the and and actually doing it. Like... It's hard for me to just like say the words sometimes. So let's say I don't do Right. So I can say I'm a terrible Jew. Like everyone mm-hmm. I know, I had the time. I could, like I could have dobbins and instead I chose to do something else I could, or I could, you know, I could beat myself up even now. Like it, in, I think like in this stage of motherhood actually dobbining is kind of difficult mm-hmm. because you never know when you're going to be interrupted or, right. So I can say, Oh, come on. You spent 10 minutes on your phone this morning. You could have done in those 10 minutes. Right. right. And you're just like really bad at this. And you just really don't care about that. That's one way I can speak to myself after I fail. Or I can say, it's not my fault that dog is really hard for me. This is the way that, you know, I was born into the 21st century, really fast paced world where sitting and focusing and like taking that time to talk to God and Hashem is not very obvious and apparent and the words are prescribed for me. And it's like all these different factors that come in and make it really difficult for me to daven and then take into consideration, you know, like I said before, like oh, and maybe my baby's going to come start pulling on me, I'm an ray right? There's all these really, it's really hard to daven. Yeah. And it's not my fault that it's really hard to daven. And so I didn't daven today. It's not okay. But it's not like I'm not a terrible person because I didn't. That's normal. I'm not like I'm not a perfect topic. I'm not supposed to be able to be perfect at this. But it's still my problem. So what can I do? How can I make Davening something that I can maybe next time it will be a little better for me, a little easier for me, mm-hmm. right? So I can say from that viewpoint, I can say hmm, maybe I am just going to commit to doing Barkshamr every day, which I can do in seven minutes, right? <sighs> if I'm being really speedy, seven no. to ten minutes, right? I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> that is doable for me right now, and it's doable for me even if I wasn't so busy. But just like when I'm just like not interested in doing it, that's something I can do even if I'm not interested. I can force myself into doing that. Right. Right. From the perspective of I'm a terrible Jew, I'm not even gonna, I'm never going to come to this conclusion because this is not perfect Jew Davening, right? This is like flawed Jew Davening.
2: Oh yeah,
3: right.
0: But so first, when I come to this realization, I'm a flawed Jew, and that's Hashem made me this way. I'm able to then think of the solution in a practical way where I can actually be a little bit more like mission oriented instead of it all being about me and identifying with it so deeply so that it just sort of stops me from actually getting anything done. Yeah. I've noticed just like on a totally not religious sense, I think our world is pushes us so much to like identify with things and like to make everything we're doing like a huge part of our identity. And I think sometimes that's damaging. It's not always so good to be focusing so much on yourself. This example came into my head, like where is an area in my life right now where I'm having an element of success. I'm having an element of success. I started to run. Now I am like really not an athletic person and I've never identified myself as an athletic person. It's not on the list of my identities. There are other <laughs> things, but it's not on that list. Okay. And so when I started, you know, I started couch to 5K I was literally out of breath after a minute of, you know, we did a minute running, two minutes walking or whatever it is, right? And after a minute, I'm totally out of breath, not (laughs) it was sad, but I didn't feel like a failure because I know I am not athletic, I am not a runner. Hmm. And so then when I was able to do two minutes, I celebrated those two minutes. And then when I was able to do five minutes, I celebrated those five minutes, and then when I'm running in a 35-minute straight, I'm able to wow. celebrate that really intensely, right? Because mm. I, I got myself here and I'm not a runner. But right now is where the danger lies because now I can start identifying as a runner. And once I do that, then I start with all like the negative self-talk and I start to celebrate my failures instead of my wins. Mm. And I make a big deal about my failures because I'm the runner. I'm supposed to be able to run. So this what is happens right if I out. can't do the 35 right. minutes, <laughs> Right. right? I can't do it, so I'm so bad. And that, like, when we identify something, we make a big deal about failing and we don't make a big deal about doing it well. And when we create that degree of separation, we're able to make a big deal about doing it well and sort of brush aside the failing. Nice. And then we stay, we actually keep on doing it because we like feeling good. Like, we like to be feeling like we're doing it well.
2: Yeah. It's so interesting because this thought process is coming in response to how to utilize bitterness of self in a way that propels you to growth. So immediately when you hear that you think like oh my gosh like it's basically about being self-critical and like seeing yourself in a low state but that line that you shone a flashlight on that line that I have not created myself is the huge difference between a bitterness that's productive and one that keeps you in that negative loop. So it's like all of these things may be true and i may be failing in all of these areas. But okay, that is not something that I myself have created. So like you said, that identity point, I think is very powerful that my identity as a Jew or a soul that wants to connect to God does not come into question, because I'm struggling to pray in the morning. What comes into question is just, what am I going to do about it? So there's this struggle, there's this failure, but then what am I going to do? There's no question of identity. It
0: doesn't define me that I failed at this. Yeah. Because again, it's not, it's not even in my control. There's this Ted talk, Elizabeth Gilbert gives about creativity and like, why is it that artists get so depressed and so stuck and so blah is because, you know, it used to be that, let's say the Romans, the Greeks, they thought you had a genius. And then when you move towards, you know, the Renaissance and modern times, and all of a sudden I am the genius. Mm. So I am the genius. I am the source. Yeah. That's so much pressure. It's so paralyzing to be under this state of pressure if instead i have the genius and all i have to do is like i have to show up right so if you're a writer i have to write will the genius come and sprinkle the fairy dust on my writing that's not up to me that's up to the genius right yeah so i have to show up in a way that's practical and be like okay so where are in my service of god like where can i just show up more and then god comes and helps me out and like Actually, like it helps me create this connection with them, and and I'm also like, I am doing the most awesome thing that it is possible to be doing. I am connected to this most awesome. It's I think like sometimes we struggle with the idea of in Hasidus. There's two sort of like two different viewpoints that are given. There's a viewpoint of like really using your mind to connect to God, and then there's also the viewpoint or like the perspective, the way of working that's the method of Avaita That's like the soul joint or the, or the servant. And I think it's hard in the world that we live in to think of ourselves as servants of God or as soldiers, because we want to be involved in it. Like we want, we want to feel like we have, you know, the, the and like we're, we're feeling something. But I think the difference between the point maybe in the soldier or the point in the servant is that it's not about with the soldier and the servant. It's not about them. It's about their mission. It's not about who they are and how great they're going to become. It's about doing what they have to do, right? So a soldier is doing his job and he's not like upset that he's not in that position or not in that position, because it's not about the position. It's about, we have to win this war somehow, right? We have to win this battle somehow. And however it takes to get there. It's not about me. I'm part of this, I'm part of like this bigger thing. That's accomplishing the most amazing thing that can be accomplished. So that's like where like that path of Aved Shashem is this path of where it's not about me and how good of a Jew I am. Am I gonna become a tzaddik? Am I gonna become a Benani? Am I gonna be the best Jew ever? Am I gonna be the most obviously connected to God? It's part of like, I am part of this mission to turn the world into God's garden, And that's like an awesome thing that's gonna be so amazing. And I'm privileged to be a part of that. Where is my space in that picture, right?
2: Yeah, well, here's the thing about being mission-driven that I'm thinking is that on the one hand, it's about being completely given over to the mission. On the other hand, if you're so given over to the mission, you actually have to be very intimately familiar with where you're failing and where you're succeeding. So you have to know your pain points and you have to know your talents very, very well because the mission needs you. So like, who are you and what are you going to give to the mission? So this idea is very much focusing on that one point of like really getting to know what your failings are.
0: That's absolutely
2: tremendous self-awareness.
0: And also knowing what you're good at.
2: Totally,
1: yes, that too, yeah.
0: And when you know it, it's not knowing it in a way of I'm here to beat myself up because of it. That's often what we get stuck in, right? So knowing what I'm not so good at, and then I'm just, I get stuck in that space. Of, oh, but I'm so bad at this. And I'm such a bad person. Instead, it's like, okay, I'm bad at this. So that means that either I have to work on myself to become better. Maybe there are some things I can do, or maybe it just means that I'm supposed to be playing a different position because this is not my position, right? Like it's more factual than personal. Yeah. And therefore I don't get stuck in it.
2: That's such a good point, and I think it... Like you mentioned, it extends as well to what we're good at and what our talents are. And I think in those instances, you begin, like like you said, that sometimes when people really identify with their talents in a way that's like so intrinsic to who they are, but isn't something that like they have that's outside of them to some extent, they become limited by their understanding of their talents because the self-awareness is not true because it doesn't recognize the source of it, which exactly. is Hashem. Exactly. So the same, it's like we have to kind of hold our faults and our talents and our strengths unequal footing, both things that we're not responsible for, but only, as you said, like there are a problem, we get to choose what to do about it, but we did not choose to put them in our lives.
0: Exactly. Again, like a big secret of, of like how we don't get stuck in it is how much am I able to celebrate when I'm successful? When I think I am embodied, I am goodness embodied. I don't celebrate when I'm doing good. It's just like, duh. Oh, that's
2: who I. Oh, nice.
0: That's who I am. I'm a good person. I do good things. I'm a good artist. I make nice paintings. So I'm not gonna, you know, like I, I write something well. It's a certain ego, right, that doesn't allow us to celebrate the good that we do. Wow. Versus when we separate a little bit, we're able to like really celebrate the good that we do, which is so vital in first of all, just being a happy person. (laughs) Like, forget about you know any any other (laughs) things, but like just being a happy person. And then also just like to continue to grow, you need to celebrate the positive.
2: What you're saying is that in the celebration, there's a certain humility. It's not like, oh, look how great I am. It's just like this humility of, of being able to really be aware of where you are and to push yourself a little bit. So that type of like, you're really celebrating the effort as opposed to what it says about you or what exactly. it's says about you.
0: It's like, you know, the discomfort we get when someone compliments us. What's like the very typical scenario, you know, someone compliments you and you don't want to like reject the compliment entirely because that's also rude, but we will point out a flaw in the thing that they just complimented. Right. So like, oh, thank you so much. I messed up a little bit. Or like, oh, yeah, I got it from Ross for like Mm. 10 bucks.
3: Right. Right.
0: It's a lack of wanting to take ownership of this because that's a, that's saying oh this is the best I can do if I if I take ownership of this and I don't Interesting. I I know I can be I don't want to portray that as like this is the best I can be. So I need to point out the flaw. The compliment was the person saying I appreciate you. I appreciate your art. It's not about me, the compliment. <laughs> the compliment is about the other person appreciating it so if I'm in that space where I can like see the other person and not just mm-hmm. see myself. Nice. I can accept it with grace yeah and I, I would accept it with grace instead of pointing out the flaw right but again totally. when, when i'm so connected with something that's when i celebrate the negativity of it celebrate negativity i don't know if that's possible but yeah. it's sort of yeah, like I get what you're saying. you know like highlighting living in that more negative space or in the space of like highlighting the failure instead right. of it embracing the fact that that other person enjoyed what they saw
2: it's pretty subtle. I'm like hoping that the subtlety right. here is really being conveyed. <laughs> the difference between right. taking ownership over who you are and taking responsibility for who you are and recognizing that I have not created myself.
0: For sure. It's for sure subtle. And I think it's also on the one hand, extremely intuitive because we all know that we've all like experienced how we are not in control of everything and on the other hand, extremely counterintuitive because of all the messaging that we receive and also just the nature of who we are, which is the nature of the ego, which is to say that it is responsible. So I think it can resonate so deeply when you've had like an experience of feeling like how you were being led by something bigger than yourself. I think we all have had that experience where we were led by something bigger than ourselves. And at the same time, feeling like being fed the message that you are, you, you have created yourself and you are, you're self-made, right? And so it's a difficult balance. And I think we can relate to both. And we like sense the truth in both of these things. Yeah. Which is why it's kind of subtle. So I think it takes like a certain amount of meditation and thought about it when you see yourself letting go of the self and becoming happier and like you experience that, you experience that like the lack of constant negative looking at yourself so closely and like constantly bringing yourself into the picture when you're trying to do something. That's where like that shift is, you know, I've seen this so strongly in in a classroom setting. You have In educational psychology, like the basics you'll hear, you'll learn about the difference between performance goals and mastery goals, Mm. right? So the student that comes in with performance goals, which is to performance is a reflection of of the student. How well am I doing? Am I getting good grades on my tests, right? Those are students that have performance goals versus a student that has a mastery goal, which is an actual desire to like master the information Mm. and master the curriculum. So a student that has performance goals, on, in general, having master goals makes you much more successful of a student than having performance goals because you're letting go of, it's not about you. You're able to make mistakes and get up from them and you're able to receive criticism and be fine mm. with it. You're able to invest yourself in a way that's well, because consistent about mastering the material as opposed to how does it reflect on me as a student? Nice. So the student that is focusing on their own performance, they get a 98 instead of a hundred and it like is crushing and that can cause a massive, just like stopping them and mm-hmm. not allowing them to achieve something versus if you're coming in to master, it's not that you're feeling low about yourself. It's almost in a way it's, which might sound negative, it's lower your expectations of yourself. Mm. And by lowering that expectation, this is discussed earlier in Tanya, the the Daltreva says, you're not a Tzaddik. Like embrace the fact that you're not a Tzaddik. Recognize that it's in our very, very subconscious thoughts that we need to be Tzaddik and that we need to be perfect. And that being a Jew comes with a certain level of perfection or being a good Jew comes with a certain level of perfection. So automatically I'm thinking, I'm considering myself on a higher level than I actually am. That's where the lowliness is. It's not that I'm a bad person or I'm full of flaws. It's that my expectations of myself are too high. And again, we're not saying that that allows you to stop performing. It's just that don't expect perfection. Mm, That's the lowliness that pushes us. It's in recognition that like, like I said before, I'm not a runner. That's okay, <laughs> and then right. I'm able to push myself further. It's in that understanding of my experience that I'm not perfect at this, that propels me. So it's not negativity about myself. It's not like sadness is about myself. It's recognizing I'm far from God. My kiss is so hidden inside of me. I haven't experienced it in months and months. That's the loneliness, not the I'm a bad person.
2: Okay. So question. Yes, Is it somewhat though like a, an awareness of negative traits and then recognizing that the negative traits are not a reflection of who I am, but they're just given to me by God? So the reason why we're focusing on negative traits, I just want to clarify, is because this is the specific chapter of Tanya that deals with that sense of lowliness. Right. R- recognizing that your talents come from God, I feel like that's its own conversation. Specifically here, right. isn't it the negative things, the struggles that you have, the fact that you just don't like to pray, being self-aware about those things and then recognizing that it's it's not your fault. This is how God created you. Like you said, lower your expectations and then being able to grow from that place. But part of it is becoming more aware of those challenges in your life and where you are failing consistently.
0: Right. And, yeah. But but again, so it's very easy. I think, and this is where I think the subtlety is. It's very easy. So I can say, oh, I'm going to become, I'm going to do a good husband and wife, and become aware of all my failures. It's very easy for that to just really bog you down and not be productive. Be productive, not give you life. You know, it just like sucks all the life out of Judaism if I'm if I'm focusing on the failure. So it's like a very fine line of like the failure, being aware of the things that are harder for me. And again, like you said, just like pressing it a million times with, this is normal. <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be hard. Yeah. And so with that recognition of, oh, this is normal, it's supposed to be hard. And then coming in from the other side with, but God created it like this for a reason. And that means that I can do this hard thing, but if I'm approaching it in a positive way. I, like, I can do this hard thing and it is really hard and I can do this hard thing. But if I think that it's not hard, then I'm just like relating to it constantly from negative space because it's so hard for me. And I don't think it's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to just be like the basics we all have in our, in our minds. Like the idea of like, oh, what's supposed to be just like the basic things that I'm supposed to be able to do so right basically.
2: Right. I find that that's why it's so helpful when people are honest about their experience as Jews, (laughs) you know, trying to serve Hashem, because in those moments when you hear someone else just honestly and openly share, when they've really internalized a sense of self that's not so focused on their self, but is aware of the fact that they're human beings and that Hashem gave us struggles as human beings that are not our fault. When you hear that, It's like such an invitation to be able to see yourself that way too, to recognize like, oh, that struggle you have with, we'll go with prayer because you spoke about prayer. If you are listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, like it's just impossible for me to sit down and I I could waste a ton of time, but somehow I don't find the seven minutes to even say Shema or to say Shema Nesre. It's like, that's normal. That's hard. And now (laughs) because it's normal and it's hard and we're all dealing with the same exact thing, then it's an empowering way to move forward.
0: Right. So it's like, you're putting in a vote for like actually sharing our struggles with other people Oh yeah, because, you know, like that's, and not like being like, oh, I didn't wasn't able to learn for three hours a day because <laughs> like, we're talking about the, actually. the actual, like <laughs> simple struggle, the simple everyday struggles. The
2: reason why I think it's challenging to share it is because most of us do believe that our struggles are a reflection of our worth. So it's like, I don't want to share about where I'm less worthy. I'd love to hear from you another example of where you've been able to really incorporate this. I think that I mentioned how it's like such a subtle concept and I think that it could really be demonstrated through example. So right. I'd love if you could share any other places in your life where this idea has just like shifted the way you saw it and been able to show up for it.
0: Okay. So you asked me that and automatically also like there's a certain part of me that goes to just negative talk with myself about Oh, is there anything else, even in my position that I've been working on? Mm. Like, does it even exist? Like, because, like, you know, you get so busy with other things, and like, yeah. am I actually taking the time to like actively work on something? And so that's like the first reaction I get a negative reaction to myself, yeah which is not productive or good or positive right (laughs) so it's like even like in right now it's like in shifting that in like the understanding that nice oh yeah I am in like a stage of life which is like extremely physically demanding right like raising young children is like a very like you have to invest yourself physically and mentally and emotionally and so I think that's you know that that could be my right now instead of like in my head the things that I'm supposed to be working on That's just like the first thing that's that's popping into my head. I
3: love that. Yeah,
0: I think a very big certain areas again, like for myself. Let's say with exposure to certain media forms that I feel are not necessarily so good for myself. Mm,
2: That's a good one.
0: I like to read. I was an English teacher for a. A long time, and I like good quality writing. And unfortunately, in the Jewish world, then, okay, we shouldn't speak negatively, but like it doesn't yeah. not so it's okay. not so existent. Okay, to find like really kosher quality literature,
3: it's, it's difficult.
0: Yes, so there were times in my life where I felt extremely guilty about certain things that I was reading and exposing myself to. And what that did is just makes me feel like, oh, I'm a bad person, like I'm not really, my mind is not like clean for like the more godly things and I'm just like, I'm bad, I'm failing at this. How can I expect myself to be growing from the positive things I'm taking in when I'm taking in things that are negative that are just counteracting that? That's one way of talking to myself from this space. Again, instead I can just say, it's not my fault that I like quality reading. <laughs> God created me with this desire, with this drive. Is there a way where I can maybe like censor a little bit of what I'm taking in? So, like, what I'm reading, maybe focus a little bit more on nonfiction, or even within within the fiction world. You know, there's things that are probably I I know for after reading them whether they make me feel closer to God or more distant from God, right? So, like, maybe just, like, putting the focus a little bit more on, like, trying to find something that I know will be more productive in my Eretz Hashem or will enhance my service of God. Because I do think that I've found that a good book can really put you into the understanding of someone else's experience in a way that you don't necessarily get it, like, if from just other things so like really open your mind to the fact that there are people that are different than me that are that think differently than me and like i can maybe utilize that in when i'm interacting with other people and that in that way it's serving my as a shame, right but as long as i'm in the state of i'm just so bad for wanting this it's such a negative desire you know it's such a negative thing about myself then i'm not able to i think a lot of us also have like let's say certain like our relationship with social media yeah. where we find it to be like so all or nothing and oh I can't control myself I just waste my time and and it leaves me feeling so negative maybe and again with that constant like negativity surrounding, it versus like shifting a little bit too again mm. I think you know we like to think that the world 300 years ago was much more difficult to be a Good Jew, because there was like oppression and all these like people were scared for their lives and like risking their lives to do mitzvahs. But I think Hashem created this world. It's like really, really, really tough to like stay actively engaged in your service of Hashem. There are so many things that are just coming in. Like our our minds are just like really being shut down from the outside, and in a way that we're not so in control of yeah. i'm like recognizing that like you know that environmental factor i have not created that
3: nice
0: i didn't create the year 2022 to be the way it, it was yeah it is mm-hmm. and what i find myself in this world so where where can i find that space where can i find that balance in this world as it was created and where can Beautiful. i create my own little space in this environment that i was placed into
3: Nice.
2: Oh my gosh. That is such a great example. Books and also social media, specifically social media, because once you start understanding, for example, like how the apps are specifically taking advantage of how the human brain works. And then you recognize like the reason why it's challenging is not because you don't it's have self-control exactly. and you're not strong-willed or like you just start couch couch. That's not why it's because like, it's actually designed to take advantage of the way
0: that you work scientifically takes advantage of my brain. Yeah. It's such a good example. And like, once you know that, at least for me, once I began
2: to understand that it took away so much of the shame, so much of the, and then I was actually able to proactively take measures to not allow it to impede on my life because before it was very much a question of identity and like how much I was able to stay mindful and present despite this terrible trait that I had, which was like to open my phone constantly. But then it's like, one second, you know, like it's not a toxic trait to fall into the hamster wheel of technology. It's actually a manipulative
0: force. Okay.
2: So now that's (laughs) a totally different question.
0: And you just said the word shame. I think like that is the word over here. That's what I was like looking for in my brain. Mm -hmm. It's that shame that is so debilitating when it's a question of identity. Yeah. When it's a question of identity, then I feel that shame Yeah, and shame is not good <laughs> yeah. as opposed to, like you said, like recognizing that there's an outside force at play removes that shame and then I'm able to like really find my place within the created space. Right. Right.
2: And actually when you realize how powerless you are in the sense, it actually gives you your power back because it's Absolutely. like when you realize that- it wasn't your fault. I think instinctively you would think, well, if like, it's actually impossible to control yourself because of the way that let's say the app is designed, then, oh no, like, I guess you don't have control over your life, but it's like one second. Now that I recognize how powerless I am against this, not powerless, but how, how much like I can just be easily manipulated. Only now can I actually take action and be empowered to change the way I interact with it.
0: For sure. It's
2: really powerful. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, so I would love if you could share a little bit about that. The How specifically it is recognizing that I have not created myself, that I have not created this challenge. Why is it that specifically? Um, I just like love to hear you expound on it. Why is that point specifically what allows us to then make the choice and what allows us to then actually improve and actually serve God? So let's say with the books you mentioned recognizing that Hashem created you with this desire to read. Why is it that point specifically that then motivates you to be able to improve in that area and actually proactively change how you're interacting with books?
0: Right. So I think it really lies back in that word, shame, that you mentioned before. As long as I think I'm at fault, I'm in this like really in this space of shame. And I think part of, it's almost like the way our ego works is it wants to keep us from needing to change it Mm. wants to keep us sort of like you're okay you're okay as you are Mm. and one of the tools it uses for that is this feeling of shame and failure because when i'm in the space of shame and failure i don't need to change it almost like puts me in this place where i can give up and that's okay to give up Mm. because i'm in this state of shame and so like this is i'm I'm terrible and I'm never going to get better and I'm going to yeah. just keep on messing up and yeah. I don't need to change when I think that I'm just going to keep on messing up. Like you said, when you remove that power and when you recognize that like I was created this way, then you can't just fall back on like the negative yucky feelings of, of shame. You see like, okay, so this is what was given to me and obviously, and I think it's very strongly connected to, you can't just say, It's not just this was given, what was given to me. It's entirely enmeshed with, and it was given to me for a purpose. Like you have to recognize purpose in the picture. Yeah. When we're speaking about God, like God wouldn't just give me this divine soul in body for no reason. Like he wouldn't, the the words that the altar uses is like, take a part of himself and stick it in the dumpster. Like that's not purposeless, (laughs) you wouldn't do that for no reason, there's purpose in that. And so when you're removing that shame and you're removing that, you're saying, now you don't have, you don't have the excuse not to, not to change. Like you don't have the excuse not to work on yourself. Because the biggest excuse not to work on yourself is the fact that I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up anyway. Okay. So you're going to mess up anyway. That's part of the point. Part of the point is the messing up. Right. Okay. So then I have to do it even though I'm going to still mess up because that's the point.
2: That's part of the purpose.
0: Yeah. Part of the purpose is going down to get back up and going down to get back up. So like, it's sort of just like it throws the ego off balance. And then that sort of like enables me to implement some change.
2: I'm thinking specifically about that point about the ego, just it's something that I'm gonna like sit with. Actually, like right. that idea. You know, no, I'm serious. Like that idea of the ego, right? Trying to maintain its equilibrium by constantly throwing things out at us, like, "Oh, y- you are terrible."
0: <laughs> it's also but so it's- counterintuitive of our idea of ego, which is totally. in our minds, like, "Oh, that sense of like you're so great," because it's really coming from that same space. It's like, I'm yeah. so great. I don't need to work on myself. I don't need to change because I'm good. I'm good as I am because I, I need that comfort. I actually
1: like, I've heard
2: kids say this before, like a kid will do something and another kid will say like, oh, that's so mean. And they're like, yeah, I'm a mean person. And in saying I'm a mean person, suddenly like you saying I'm mean doesn't hurt because it's like right. mean people do mean things. If it's I'm a good person and then I did something mean. Then suddenly there's like I'm off balance. I need to change something. I need to apologize, repair. Suddenly I'm I'm in an uncomfortable space. I mean a positively uncomfortable space. Obviously where there's room for growth. But we do that to ourselves too. I'm a mean person. I'm a lazy person. I'm I'm not a spiritual person. I'm disconnected.
0: Right. It's like that. The low self-esteem that is deeply ego, like the deeply feeling like myself and like enjoying wallowing in it. Yeah. <laughs> and. From like the outside it might seem like oh that's not ego that's but like that's really like coming from that same space of reveling in self the negative self is a really great space to to revel in
3: so good
0: <laughs> to like feel, to like feel yourself very strongly
2: yeah 100% and a good pity party <laughs> totally yes <laughs> it's not your fault but it is your
0: problem that exactly. like sums it up yeah. really and i think also like always practicing like this is all for healthy people, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I think there's space where this could be utilized negatively as well. If you're not in a healthy state of mind and you don't have like yeah. you don't have a sense of self yeah. that is healthy in the first place, I think it could also have its standards. If you're like, I think you know the Tanya speaking to a healthy person and like a healthy person and how they can work on like their visa sham and deal with the small little depressions that are not clinical or you know (laughs) but if you're this if you do have this healthy sense of self and then for sure like it can definitely be a really powerful tool
2: what would be your words of advice to anyone kind of seeking to flip the way that they narrate their personal struggles
0: something that's been like really a really powerful meditation for myself Mm -hmm. has been to just like think about if everything that everyone else in the world gave to me, was removed from me, what would I be? And this is not spiritual. Like, this is just like absolutely realistic, like something I can think about on like a very physical animal soul level, right? If everything that anyone gave to me was removed from me, what would I be? And it just leaves you, if you really think about that, like just with like this sense of interdependence. And when I recognize my interdependence on like a a physical, even just like on the most basic physical level, then how much more so as I go deeper and deeper into myself and like the deeper parts of myself, how much like, how reliant am I on on outside forces? I think like that really allows us to go into this space of like, I am not in control of everything Mm. and everything doesn't start with me. Mm. So that's just what, that's just like on a, on a mind level. And then on a practical level, I think the biggest thing really is to start celebrating the wins and being more forgiving with the failures, which is very uncomfortable. It's an extremely uncomfortable space to be. It just like gets rid of like that ego space. It's like, I did it. I was able to do, like, when I do the my 15 minute, 10 minute davening, I daven today. That's awesome. For me, this is a huge struggle and I did it. Yeah. Like really embracing that, and so then the the voice comes in and says, "Why are you celebrating this silly little ten minute bit of words that you said?" And then meeting that with because it's really hard, right? So it's I think it's crap. A lot of it is is really like just a certain mindfulness and practice, realizing how first just even recognizing how I'm talking to myself because I don't always it's so quick and subconscious that I don't always. I'm not always aware of what I'm saying to myself. <laughs> so yeah. first, like actually like listening to what I'm saying to myself. Yeah. It sounds new agey, but like it, positive affirmations, like these types of things where like I am, I'm talking to myself in, a, in, a, in an empowering way instead of constantly, again, having these expectations about myself that are just not realistic and take me down
2: totally it's like you said as soon as you start seeing yourself as a runner then the fact that you ran and succeeded is like nothing to write home about nothing to be proud of because it's like obviously you know but if it's like no it's actually continuously a struggle every day and when i then i'm able to continuously push myself because it, it will be challenging
0: i think also an area where i think a lot of people can also feel a strong. i think it's just like any creativity any like creative endeavor Where like you really realize like it's so easy to talk to yourself negativity about like your creative self, which is a power that's like so much bigger than you and but also like so holy and powerful. That's where like we really see Hashem coming out of us when we create something, right? So like creating that space of like letting go to it and showing up, showing up but letting go.
2: Nice. I actually, I'm happy that you brought that back in because you mentioned it at the beginning. But just, it's so true that creativity will humble you because you will come and think that you know, like the day before you could have really connected, and then the next day you can show up the same way and not succeed. So on the one hand, you have to show up, and on the other hand, you have to let go.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: That's really good. So we're showing up to serve Hashem, and we're letting go of what the perfection will look like because it's not going to be perfect.
0: Exactly. That was really well put. <laughs> I'm just I'm like like, that, putting it, putting it back together, like showing up to serve God and letting go of how that reflects on me.
2: Nice. Oh, nice. Creativity is kind of like a low stakes place to practice it. Yeah. For sure.
0: No, but for me, like, I feel this like so strongly in specifically like writing, songwriting. For me, the way it has worked for me always is that. And no one believes me when I say these things. But like, excuse the language. I like I like vomit it. Like it just comes out when it works. And on the one hand, it's awesome. On the other hand, it's been such an excuse for me. Mm. I don't know. So I haven't written anything in eight years. Yeah, it just it didn't come out of me. Mm. Right.
3: That's not true.
0: So I'm stopping. I'm stopping at the. It's not my fault.
3: Yeah,
2: mm. i'm not
0: going into it's my problem
3: oh nice
0: why is it not coming out of me you know i'm not showing up and maybe i'm not filling myself up in a way where which will then you know create the explosion right yes and so i get stuck in that it's not my fault and not going into the it's my problem oh, but my. like so it's like really like this this package together of like recognizing so like i i, I will say it's an outside force but like mm-hmm. it's just interesting <laughs>
2: I like how you said the question is not only have you sat down to write a song and made the space for it to show up, but also if you have sat down and made the space, but you haven't been showing up for yourself in other ways to nurture for your creative sure. spirit, then yeah, what do you expect? Out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like you need the fertile ground to succeed.
0: Yeah.
2: And also sometimes you're showing up perfectly and, and the
0: and instant it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't come. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. But to keep showing up, you have to let go. You have to be okay with that. Yes. Because at a certain point, you might stop. At a certain point, okay, I showed up and it wouldn't come. So, uh, And I showed up well and I, <laughs> I've invested myself. And that's where the real push is, is needed to like get through that because it's very easy for me to say, okay, so I'm just going to stop showing up. I think
2: the main thing is, is with creativity, with serving Hashem and with life and self-growth, it's like the focus cannot be on the performance. If you are motivated by finishing the project, writing the book... Winning a prize. Put down your paintbrush and put down your pen. Like, it's not going to work. If you are motivated by the showing up and just being there and being open and actually surrendering to the process, then you can keep doing it. Because sure. you're going to be disappointed.
0: That's exactly it. That's exactly it. The performance versus the just like it, being there and enjoying the process. and Enjoying yeah. the process of becoming a more godly person instead of feeling the pressure of, I'm not a perfect awesome. I'm not a perfect too.
2: Like you said, the performance student or the mastery student, right. it's such a great way to approach our Yiddishkeit. Like, am I approaching this from a place of performance or am I trying to like actually get closer to the idea or to God? Right. right. This was so beautiful. So much food for thought. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me and also triggering some thoughts. It's always good. It's always good to think a little. <laughs> <laughs>
3: good. I'm happy.
1: Most of us address our failings in one of two ways. Either we refuse to look at them, or we swallow them whole and define our worth by our greatest pitfalls. What if there was a third way? A penetrating self awareness without the shame, a commitment to growth without being defined by our struggles. This is the third way. Your challenges are not your fault, but they are your responsibility. If opening a sitter feels impossible to you, your existence is not less than or challenged or bruised. You did not create yourself, God did. And he put you in a modern, distracted world with weakened muscles for focus. And now, responsibility. What can you do to encourage yourself to pray? Can you study the meaning of a beautiful prayer? Can you time block five minutes without your phone? Can you find a way to take ownership of your experience? Your challenges are not your fault. But they are your responsibility. Your struggles are not a reflection of the sincerity of your soul, but they do belong to you. Whether you were born in the desert, or the most fertile soil for planting, God still asks you to water your seeds. The climate is created by God. The effort is your responsibility.
3: Thank you
1: so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Human and Holy or via email at Human and Holy at gmail.com. New episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review, it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.